This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Our teacher today is church elder Jeff Smith. So it was about uh, 56 days ago, eight weeks, we had that big snowstorm Sunday afternoon, and uh, we got to enjoy a little bit of that. Wasn't too long ago. We remember that pretty well, don't we? Well, it's been 50 days since the Passover. If we looked in the context of the scripture we're going to be studying today, it's been 50 days since Christ was crucified. And you think of what has been taking place as we get to this, the day of Pentecost here. This is the, the first harvest. It's a, the harvest of weeks or the, the, the spring festival, recognizing the grain and the barley harvests that have come in. So it's a time of celebration. 50 days after Passover, seven days after Jesus ascended. So look back to what was happening 51 days ago before Christ was crucified. Think back to the end of Luke as we wrap that up. What do we have? The disciples as Jesus was arrested in fear, scared, when Christ was crucified, looked like all hope was lost. And they didn't understand. The disciples couldn't grasp what this was all about. They couldn't understand what it was, what this all meant. Thought Jesus is here to to set up his earthly kingdom. What's going on? Everything has ended here. So it was despair. Influence that that seemed to be there, the power, the the push to, to overthrow those who were oppressing seemed to be crippled. And where are they? After Christ is crucified, they're in hiding, huddled together in fear that it's probably going to be us next. And now in such a short period of time, as Rick opened up and starts talking about Acts and the power of the Holy Spirit coming down uh, last week that the, the, the apostles, the disciples have a power from the Holy Spirit to be able to speak truth, to be able to speak what is right, to speak a message. What was in the past as far as being hindered, scared, fear has been pushed aside. And there's a boldness now that, that has come about uh, as a result of the Holy Spirit coming down to them. Um, look in 24, Luke 24, 35, Christ told them, that it says there that Christ opened up their minds to be able to understand the scriptures. There was a hard part about all of this that they just didn't get. And now the disciples have the aha, <laughs> aha moment where now it makes sense. He is the Messiah. And if it had ended at the cross and if it had ended at the tomb, all hope would have been lost, but it didn't, did it? He was resurrected. And from there, things have really taken off. Uh, Jesus, during this time, he's, before his ascension, he spends 40 days. He appears to over 500 people, right? We know that. So there's lots of witnesses. We've got enough things here of evidence to prove Jesus was real. He existed. He, was, he resurrected. He came back to life. And, and uh, that message, the gospel message, uh, is something that we can trust as reliable and true. So he spends time with the disciples. He's teaching them. He's instructing them. And then what? He ascends to heaven, right? We saw that a little right there at the end of Luke, and also again at the beginning of Acts. And the disciples are left caught looking into the sky, waiting for him to come back. How far up can I see him go? They're waiting for his return. And then they're told, got work to do. We've got things we have to accomplish. So at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's come upon them. Power to speak in different languages. Everybody that's there, as, again, as Rick mentioned, just kind of covering some of that. Everyone that was there could hear it in their own language. It didn't make sense. It'd be like me being able to speak Spanish, and I cannot, or, or German or any other language, and they were hearing it perfectly the way it needed to be pronounced so that they could understand it. 
It didn't make sense to them. And Rick also made mention of as well, you know, think back, and we actually talked about this in our community group last week, you know, think about the Tower of Babel back in Genesis. And you think back to what happened there. It was man's pride and his desire to, to reach God and his desire, the desire to, as it says, make a name for themselves. It was all about them. And what did God do? Confuse their languages and they scattered. But now what we have here is the Holy Spirit coming down in grace and offering unity, offering them to be able to hear the gospel message in their native tongue. And so it doesn't make sense to some of them, the mockers, the scoffers, what are they? They're drunk. (laughs) This doesn't mean they're babbling. But as we pick up here in Acts chapter 2, that is not the case. And Peter sets them straight pretty quickly. So we'll look in Acts 2. We'll start in verse 14. And if you will, bear with me. I'm going to read this whole passage. I think context is always important in Scripture. And uh, if there's something that I miss, there may be something in that that you pick up, something that applies specifically to you. But I always think context is important. So I'm going to read this whole passage, so don't fall asleep on me. I'll stomp if I need to to bring you around. It says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people, they're not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour, the third hour of the day. That'd be nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they'll prophesy. And I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is also found in Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. 
For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And can you imagine in that setting, people that were there probably were some of the same ones that were yelling, crucify him. We want Barabbas, crucify him. So this is really piercing into their hearts even by by just that one fact. Now, when they'd heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then looking down there, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Any doubt that the Holy Spirit was working? (laughs) Not in my mind. So what's our big idea for today? Big idea is the Holy Spirit empowers us and works in and through us to do the work of God, to fulfill God's plans, not our own. Who are the apostles? Who are the disciples? They're normal people, right? They're not super gifted, not great speakers, fishermen. But yet God, in an amazing way, uses the power of the Holy Spirit to speak through them to carry out his plan, to carry out his objective. It's not about people. It's not about the disciples. It's not about them at all. It's all about what God's plan is. So even from that, and I've got three very short points today, so these will hopefully stick and resonate with you from the Scripture. Um, but it's important for us to remember that we cannot manipulate God with self-pleasing motives. God's got a plan and a purpose. And we need to get on board with that. That can be difficult. It can be challenging because we're concerned about self. We want to do what we want to do. We want to set up our own empires. We want to set up our own safe places. What can I do for me? Serving pride, just like the folks at the Tower of Babel. It was about pride, making a name for themselves. The Holy Spirit testifies of Christ, points to him, points to his purposes, points to his plan. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't point to us. And we prayed even before we came in here, as nervous as I am to be standing up here, this is, this is not about me. This is about what God's word says to each of us. And for these men who are standing there, we'll look later, you know, you can look in Acts 4 when Peter and John were arrested and it says of them, they're untrained and recognized as untrained and uneducated. These are just normal people, but God is using them in a powerful way to speak truth and to carry out his plan. So this big idea, let's put it in another way. Think of it this way. The comforter is not comfortable. The Holy Spirit does amazing things and does an amazing work, but it's not going to be for being comfortable. It's not going to be for us. So once we've accepted Christ as our Savior and we believe that and accept that truth, the adventure begins because He's got a high calling for us. And it's so easy to lose that. It's so easy to lose that perspective sometimes. The the events that go on in our lives, the obstacles, the challenges, and we can easily lose sight that God's got a plan for us. God's got a plan for His Word. 
So we want to be familiar. We want to be with what's known. We want to build up that safe place. We want to barricade ourselves in isolation and sometimes even disengage from people because people can be mean. People can be nasty. And I don't want to be around people. But that's what God has called us to do because what God's grace came down for all people, for all of mankind. And that invitation is out. Until he returns, that invitation is out for whosoever will. So we look at the Spirit. Rick made mention last week that the Spirit, you look in Genesis 1, the Spirit moved across the surfaces of the water, right, before creation. Think of also, and these are just a couple of examples, but think of Joshua. Numbers 27, 17, or 27, 18 says that the Spirit indwelled him. And what did Joshua do? Took over the reins from Moses, and he took the Israelites into the promised land. All the stories of the Israelites, the grumbling, the complaining. Why do we just have manna to eat? God, what are you doing? We were better off in, in Egypt. Really? But it was a safe place. It was comfortable there. I mean, yes, we were slaves, but, but we knew it. We knew what to expect. And God had so much more for them to do. And they were missing it. And Joshua, given leadership skills, given wisdom to secede, <laughs> secede Moses and lead Israel to the promised land. Dealing with the grumbling people, dealing with the complaints as Moses um, had, after all that generation had passed away, that was a long time to wait, and then lead them over to where they needed to go. So we can miss the blessing in what God is doing. And as Moses and God led the Israelites, there were some obstacles, but God provided in each of those. How about in Judges, Gideon? Familiar with the story of Gideon, right? How God took 32,000 men and whittled them down to 300. Why? (laughs) So Israel couldn't boast, as it says, pride. God had some amazing things for Gideon to do, but he wasn't going to let it do it on the count of Gideon or the men. He's going to do it because God wanted to do it. So 300 men would conquer the Midianites. And of Gideon, it is said, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 1 Samuel, Spirit of God, protected Saul, or protected David from Saul and his messages, messengers. He intervened in that situation to protect him when Saul was out to get David. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Interesting, that's the same passage that Jesus would preach in Nazareth in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry. How about some New Testament examples? Mary, Holy Spirit will come upon you. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. You don't think that was an obstacle? You don't think that was a challenge in that culture? How did that happen? (laughs) The scandal of it all. And yet, God was going to do something amazing through Mary. Jesus in Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Luke 4.1 says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For what? To be tempted by the devil. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26. says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. 
And as their minds were opened up to the scripture, aha, and they're getting it. The comforter. Also Luke 24 to 49, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you, clothed with power from on high. And last example, just again, just an example, but think of Stephen's. Stephen, Acts 7, 55, full of the Holy Spirit as he's being stoned and intently gazing into heaven and seeing the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Kind of a big barrier, but he took a stand for his faith, took a stand for Christ. So these 120 disciples, these apostles, they've received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And they're about to do some amazing things that they don't even know. It's great. We can look at Scripture. and We can see what took place. But God's getting ready to take them on an amazing journey for His glory. To make His name known. To make Christ's name known. And it's a result of that effort. And the result of the work of the Holy Spirit over these last 2,000 years that we gather this morning. That we can celebrate His goodness. That we can celebrate His grace. But it doesn't stop with us. It doesn't stop with this generation. It's our responsibility to continue to carry that forward. So the Holy Spirit works through people. It's not comfortable. Situations, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. But we need to allow God to use us for His purposes. To further the gospel requires us to step out of the comfort zone. We know people, don't we? We know people who don't know Christ. What are we doing with the message? It's important for us to live in a way that is consistent and that people see that. Absolutely. But it's also important that there are times when we have to be bold with our faith and we have to share truth and the message of what God has done for us through Christ. So we have to get off the sidelines. We have to engage in the real battle. The apostles are on fire. Do with us do to us whatever you're going to do. But we're going to preach. We're going to carry forth the message. So this day of Pentecost, he's working in the hearts, working in the disciples, specifically Peter here as he preaches the gospel. He's addressing the crowd and and he's referencing Joel, the book of Joel in chapter 2, prophesied some 850 years before, calling for the repentance of the nation of Israel. And this is being fulfilled, uh, the prophecy of the Holy Spirit, that pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all mankind in the last days. From the first coming of Christ and through now until the time he returns, men, women, rich, poor, all classes of people, all sects of people, it doesn't matter, and Jew and Gentile are open to receiving that message, for as many as shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls. There'll be signs, there was visions, there was dreams, there was wonders, there's miracles. The apostles perform some of those, and we'll get to some of those as we get further in Acts. All done to point to glorify God and the message, pointing to Jesus. Never about themselves, never about what man did. These are cool things to see and witness. And Jesus, certainly as he healed, was an amazing thing being God, but then also giving the apostles to do certain things as those signs. But remember, they're common, ordinary men. And they were given certain powers and the abilities to perform, to point people to God. Authenticated messengers. 
2 Corinthians 12.12 talks about, Paul mentions about the signs of the apostles that they performed among you. And Hebrews 2, 3, and 4, the signs, the wonders, miracles, and gifts. All of these things coming together to prove and authenticate the message. And then verse 21, up until he returns, it shall be everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that invitation is open now. It's been open and it will continue to be open. And it's easy for us. We get in conversation, say, God, how much longer are you going to tarry? I'm ready for you to come back. We should be praying for him to wait as long as possible because that's one more person that has that opportunity because when he does return, that invitation is closed. So for thousands of years, God has allowed that to take place. Whosoever will can come and be saved. But we are being in the last days. We should be praying for hearts to be softened. Romans 10, I'll read it to you real quick. Romans 10, uh, verse 10, For the one heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Shame on us if we think the gospel is only for certain people. It's for all of us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So how important it is for us to be a part of that plan. So the next thing I want you to take home today is that God has a predetermined plan. If you look right there in Acts, it stands out for us. In verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. He's got a plan. And the last time I spoke, it seems like I get to do this periodically when I speak or in small group where this kind of theme comes back. I I think it's probably trying to emphasize it in my heart that God's plan was founded before the creation of the world. You look at John 1.1 and we see in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, right? And there wasn't one thing that was made that wasn't made aside from Christ being there. And then in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created. And we see Adam and Eve in the garden, and he put a tree there. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. And what happened? (laughs) They did. Was God surprised by that? Was God caught off guard? God knew that they would disobey. And he already had the plan worked out. He already had it since the beginning of, even before creation. And that is the part that just overwhelms me is when I think that God, knowing that man would disobey, would be disobedient, would choose to reject what was right, what was good, and choose to do his own thing. And God made us anyway. God loves us that much that his plan was to send his son to die for us. What an amazing showing of love to send his only son to come to this earth, to be rejected, to be beaten, to be hung on a cross, 
humiliated and die for each of us. So they had that freedom to disobey and to reject. Man messes up, don't we all? But that same forgiveness is available to all of us. So the plan, what is God's predetermined plan? Redemption through Christ. It's already worked out. And all of this, as we see, as the Holy Spirit works, it's all part of that plan as we work through Acts. All part of that amazing process of reconciling, seeing people come back to Him and into that right relationship. It's not an afterthought. It's not a, oh, now what do I do? God is not surprised. He's not surprised what happens in our lives. We mess up. We've talked about that here. That's one of our our things. We're messed up people. It's because we're human. We're sinners. We're not going to get it right all the time. But God's grace keeps getting poured out over and over and over again and covers a multitude of sins. He's willing to forgive. And wherever you are today in your walk, and if you don't know him, understand that. God loves you where you are, and he's offering an invitation. God's plan to save man didn't end at the manger. It didn't end at Christmas. It didn't end at the cross. It didn't end at the tomb. Disciples thought it did. This is it. (laughs) This is all the further we're going with this. It didn't end when Jesus ascended either, or when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. He's still at work. He's still seeking, and he's still saving today. And we get to be a part of that. Peter goes on to quote a passage from Psalm 16, talking about David there, looking at uh, verse 25. David says concerning him, I saw the Lord before me. He's at my right hand. I may not be shaken. David may not have fully understood the, the full implication of those verses if he's thinking of himself that I'm, you know, God has protected me. But Peter takes these, this passage from David and applies it to the Messiah because the Messiah was not abandoned to Hades. And his body didn't see corruption. His body was not in the grave and was not destroyed. Peter opens up these words and uses them to apply them to Christ, a prophecy about him, speaking of his resurrection. And Paul will again use that later in Acts 13. David, man after God's own heart, but he was still a man. He's still a human being. He died, and as Peter makes it very clear, um, he died and he's buried, and his tomb is with us today. Isn't it amazing, though, to think that Jesus is body is not in the tomb. It was borrowed tomb because he wasn't staying. (laughs) Verse 36. But all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Again, the scene. Imagine how that would potentially impact those who are watching and, and listening. And we can see that in verse 37... They're cut to the heart. They're pierced. The words that they're sharing, the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives has brought them truth. It's brought conviction. And it's pointed them to the truth. The Holy Spirit does that to us. Again, the comforter is not comfortable. When he teaches us, when he instructs us, when he reveals to us It has to pull us out of our comfort zone, that sin that we want to stay in. 
and moving us towards Jesus. And what was the result? (laughs) Once Peter gave to them what they needed to do, repent. 3,000 souls were saved. That Peter and John? No. But the Holy Spirit was definitely at work, and we're going to see a lot more examples of that as we go forward. These are just ordinary men doing an amazing calling to carry the gospel message. So let's look at the, the big idea one more time. The Holy Spirit empowers us and works in us and through us to do the work of God, to fulfill God's plans, not our own. Never before had believers had such a strong compulsion to speak out for Christ. Never before had there been such a willingness and a preparedness for suffering for the cause of Christ. And never before had such a diverse group of people had such a deep and close relationship and fellowship with each other. The Holy Spirit is the lifeline. It's the power in the church. We pray for it. We desire it. We want to see the Holy Spirit move and work here and in this community. That's what it's going to take is the Holy Spirit to work and move. So here's the big question. Are you willing to step out of the comfortable? Again, these are pretty simple, direct, straightforward questions. But are you ready to step out of the comfortable? Are you willing to join him in his plan to reach the lost, to make disciples, to allow God to use you to do his work? Not for yourself, not for pride, not for our vain ambitions, our self-inclinations, anything that we can dream up, but for the glory of God, for his kingdom. Our world is broken, folks. I've seen it this week. I'm sure you have too. It's hurting. It's broken. It's looking for hope. We're the church. And we can come together and we can be comfortable. But that's not the only thing we're called to do is to come together and gather. God's got a mission for all of us. He's asking us to be on board with with what he's called us to do. The hatred we see, the divisiveness, the anger that's out there, the frustration, the, the greed, the pride. We see it. We know it's there. It exists. And I agree. We are, we've been living in the last days since Jesus was here. We've been in the last days. I don't know when he's coming back. But whenever he does, I want to be ready and I want those who are lost to go with us. He's the only hope. Christ is the only hope that anyone has. How long is he going to wait? I don't know. So just something to think about. The invitation is open. Verse 21 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you engaged in God's plan to make disciples? Where you live? Where you work? In and around Ladysmith? And maybe this morning, this isn't making any sense to you at all. Because you've never accepted Christ. You've heard it, but you've never made it a personal decision for you. So I invite you. There'll be men and women up here at the front. Be willing to pray with you. Help you to understand that if need be. But understand this, that God loves you.
He died for us. He died for this community. And it's not just for us to keep. He wants to spread the, spread the good news to others. So if you trusted him, he wants to work and bring hope to this broken world. Would you stand with me? God, we just thank you this morning for your word. I pray that it would pierce our hearts as we see what you did, as the Holy Spirit guided, as the Holy Spirit was poured out, as Peter spoke. It's about you. It's about your message. It's about your plan to bring redemption to lost, to the lost. And it's available for, for all men. God, may we not be prejudiced. May we not hold it for ourselves and think anyone is below this gift. Help us to be willing to share. When we feel that rise up in us that I can't do it, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. God, may your Holy Spirit be poured out on us to give us that boldness, to give us that truth. And Lord, may it not be us that works in hearts. But as we focus and as we pray, Lord, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of people. We're your vessels. Lord, we want to be used by you. This church, we want to be a lighthouse in this community. We want to see souls saved. We want to see disciples made. Lord, help us to be faithful. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. These podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.